Welcome to another edition of Sports Beat KC. Royals Spring Training. Here with Rustin Dobb, the Royals beat writer, Sam Mellinger, the esteemed columnist, and myself, Blair Kirkhoff. We have just uh, watched the, the first day of a full squad workout, and I'm not sure how different it was from other days of workouts, but there they were, and uh, Ned, Ned Yost seemed kind of happy about it. I think he said today, you know, he, he really gets up for these days when pitchers and catchers report, and then the first day of uh, the first day of games, and then all of that rubs off in a matter of you know hours for him. He he can't wait for the for the real games to start. But is is this uh, is this time of year different for the Royals than previous years? I mean, obviously their their situation is different. They're you know they've got the they've got the World Series flag, although. I don't think there's many points of um, signage at, at Surprise Stadium that uh, they have, they're coming off the World Series. The only thing that I can see, maybe I've missed something, but um, the only thing that I've seen like outside in the spring training complex part of it that says World Series is these like barriers around these utility boxes in, in the middle of like the complex. It's... it's <laughs> The, that's, com- the, that's commi- it. the commemorative barrier. <laughs> right. Get <laughs> yours online. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I know they were, they were getting fitted for the rings today and stuff like that. And they're going to have, you know, not one but two celebrations once the regular season starts against the Mets. But, um, you know, the, I, I do think there's something to, you know, at least on the surface, at least like tangibly, they're trying to keep it like any other camp. You know, they, they talk a lot about, you know, Rustin, you had the story the other day about, you know, uh, uh, winning they say this is totally against human nature i'm not sure how much i buy it but yeah. that, you know they're talking about winning a championship makes them more hungry not less which i have a hard time buying i think when you finish 90 feet short of of a world series there's not much of a better motivator than that but no i totally i don't know i feel like i've been down here for like a week and there's been we've sort of already like killed the complacency storyline <laughs> like it was it was killed a good it, it was it was a good storyline but for about four or five days but I, I don't know how much there really is to glean from that pondering whether or not they're going to be motivated to win you know after winning yeah. the world series I, I feel like they they've said all the right things and um and you sort of have to take it at face value with what this group has done over the last couple of years just with the core and how they've you know, stayed hungry and competitive and the way they play. So I, I think you sort of have to believe it to be true, but it it sort of is one of those topics that becomes tired after about three days. Yeah. One, one thing is true, though, when you think about it, when they, when they came to spring training last year, they had the maybe the greatest sense of motivation because of the way 2014 ended. I mean, they mm-hmm. could... They, you could that was easy to sell there to, to your team how you know, how close they came and, um, and and how how much that served as a uh, energy boost for them coming into 2015 spring training but I, I agree with you uh, you guys I, I I don't see their attitude being any different than, than last year even given that condition that they they had a year ago they it, it seems you know it seems like a mature team. Yeah, and you know, the one, the one thing that has struck me, though, is, and this is one of those things where it's just crazy that this is the Royals franchise we're talking about, but the, the amount of guys that have, like, they, 
they will talk about you know where this team might rank in history. You know, like they're they're almost getting to the point where it's like they're on the cusp if they could get to another World Series, that would be three in a row. That you know happens once a decade, if that, or you know. So I, I do feel like there is some sort of motivational factor, and I think a lot of the guys are talking outwardly about they don't know how long this group is going to be together. Um, so I think there is some motivation there that kind of an understanding that they only have so many more cracks at it. Well, one thing they have going for them in the, in the whole motivation thing or whatever um, is that the group of these guys, and look, like they, they will forever be the group that pushed the Royals from, you know, 29 years of, of nothing to the brink of a world, you know, world championship. And they will always forever be the group that won the first World Series since 1985 and the George Brett certified best team in Royals history. Like that, you know... None of them play another day. That's a hell of an accomplishment. A lot of people play baseball and don't accomplish as, as much as that. But, like, there's also this factor that, like, their core group of guys is largely made up of, of, of guys who have not, you know, like, their careers have not been written, like, individually. You know what I mean? Like, and whether that's financially, you know, because a lot, you know, Hosmer, Kane, Perez, uh, Escobar, uh, pretty much everybody but Gordon of their of their core has not been a free agent yet um you know and and they're all it, it's not a young team anymore but it's not an old team anymore like yet so it's also a group that you know individually they can accomplish a lot more you know so they, they have a lot of self-motivation this isn't an old team that's like look at everything i've done and now i'm 35 yeah. years old and taking the foot off the gas i mean they individually they have a lot to play yeah for or well. i've got you know four years left on my guaranteed contract you yeah know? yeah and 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 tens and tens of millions of dollars yeah. in the bank already and and you know my my career earning has peaked i mean th these guys you know <laughs> we talk about this in, in a different sense a lot of times but a lot of these guys are going to be free agents in two years and you know that's that's motivation like you've got a lot to play for I and mean, there's generations of wealth out there for these guys if if you know depending on how they do you're you know you're mentioning that i hadn't thought about it that way that's really interesting and it and it totally differs from the 85 championship yeah, team right. when Brett was, um, you know, he still had, what, seven, eight years left in his career, but Frank White was, they were all on the, they were, all on the, the, yeah. the, 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 they were heading into the fourth quarter of their mm -hmm. careers, uh, those two, Willie Wilson, of course, and, uh, uh, but that's, that's a good way of thinking it, and, and that, that, you know, one thing I've, I've, I keep hearing about these Royals is, and I've, I've heard it from you guys, that, Hosmer hasn't had his best year yet. You know, yeah. you can make a case that Bustakis hasn't had his best year yet, and and maybe Kane would be difficult to duplicate the year. You know, his 2015 season, which was finished good enough to be third in the MVP voting. But um, yeah, they, they've got plenty of position players who you would stay say are on the, you know, the ascend part of their career and not the decline. Yeah, I mean, of the position players, um, can we count Kenji Morales as a position player? Um, if we can. You know, I think maybe he's had his best year. He's he's a little older. Uh, Gordon, um, you know, maybe. the the dominate year that that first year, um, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he could match that. Um, but other than that, you Salvi? know, Escobar. No, Salvi's got more. Escobar almost hit three hundred that one year, but he could. There's probably more in him. Um, Omar Infante's probably had his best year. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's one, but it's it's a lot of guys. Like I, I really do believe that Hosmer. Uh, I think the, you know, I, I think he's got like MVP. He's got top five MVP voting 
sort of talent. I, I really believe that. I think he's got a beautiful swing, athletic, good work work rate. I, I, I really like him. Yeah, I think I said the other day, he's like MVP in the non-Mike Trout division. Like yeah, he, <laughs> right. right. He can, he can yeah. be potentially one of those guys. Yeah. I, he's probably, of the human beings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he could get into that echelon. I keep waiting for him to, you know, I, I think even in the spacious confines of Kauffman Stadium, I think he's a guy that could be a 30 to 35 home run just that, with that swing. Yeah. And With 40, 45 doubles. Yeah, yeah, 80 extra base hit sort of guy that yeah. the Royals have had. I, think, I mean, they've had those guys in the past. They've had guys, not many, but they've had guys with 80 extra base hits in yeah. a year. It seems like with Hosmer, the, the way he's going to have 30 homers is he can't have the stretches of like a month where he doesn't mm-hmm. hit a home run. He's always had, you know, he... He always has those stretches where it seems like the power goes away. But I, I do feel like, yeah, it's if you can avoid – I mean, it sounds simple. If you can avoid the month-long stretches where you don't hit a home run, you're going to have a good year. But, Just do that. But, but I do feel like he's, he's consistent in certain ways, but there are, there are times where the, kind of the power goes away and he becomes sort of this, you know, uh, like not Hal Morris type of player, but like something similar to that. Yeah. I, what like I a think- Sean Casey. Sean Mayer. What I always think of with Hosmer um, is that first, like, six weeks, eight weeks or so of last season. You remember, like, I mean, he was killing the ball. And and he had had a stretch of, like, maybe it was back-to-back games. It was, like, within a four- or five-game stretch where he had these monster, like, 400-foot opposite field home runs to left center. One, I think, was in Cleveland, and then the second one, I think, was, was at home. In Kansas City, and it was like, and, and that was like a two-month stretch where he had slugged, you know, over 500, I think, and you know, it was really like, wow, that that that's the guy that I think, and he showed it for two months, and, and he showed it uh, in the playoffs the year before, and and I just, I, I really believe that there's that guy in the whole thing, and he's only 26 now, I think, right? Like, I, I think he turned either 20. I think yeah, he turned be, 26 in he'll, October. He'll be 27 next October, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he just turned 26. So, I mean, this is really where, you know, if you believe in, you know, the age graph, like this is where he should be having his best years. Well, I've heard, who was the Royals, one of the Royals coaches said last year, they thought he was the, the best power of anybody on the team was Eric Cosmer. Yeah. I forgot who it was who said that, but I believe that. If, if anybody yeah. can go, you're, you're mentioning those, I remember those opposite field home runs and, I mean that that's 400 feet plus opposite field yeah. that he was where he went, which uh, it, it, you know when, when he's going well, I think he's got the prettiest stroke on the team. He does. It, it's just a yeah. it's just a wonderful thing, and um, so yeah, there's you know there, there's kind of that to look forward to for him and, and this team, uh, and it, you know a, an MVP possibility player. I you know Kane certainly would be in in that and Mustakas has a, has a chance to you know to put up big numbers as well is there anybody else that at least from the position player side that that you you think is capable of you know a next step a better year than than last year well the the one that that hits me first is is um Sal Perez and and look like Escobar needs to be better than he was last year offensively he was um you know, uh, under the radar, terrible <laughs> offensively, and some of that was like the Esky Magic stuff. Most of that was that they were the best team in baseball, so whatever. But um, I, I think Sal has more in him. I, I think Sal can be, um, you know, low on base but decent batting average and high slug kind of guy. Like he's he's sort of like one one thing you hear from scouts is that even when Sal's going bad, um, he can he's still dangerous because he he can run into one. 
And um, if he can become a little less streaky, and I still think we talk about this every freaking year, but if they can rest him a little bit and not turn him into the Cal Ripken of catchers, uh, I, I think that will help him offensively. But I, I think that he's got, um, we don't have the numbers right in front of us, but um, I, so I can't remember what his career high is, but I, I think he's got 25 homers in him with 30, 35 doubles, that kind of thing. I mean, that's that's great for a, for a catcher, especially with a guy with a big arm and you know the presence behind the plate that he is. Less would be more with uh, with South. Yes, but the two people you mentioned with uh, you know uh, Escobar and Perez, uh, as I recall, were MVP of the ALCS and MVP yeah. of the World Series. Right. And and that's my uh, right. you know my most recent memory of Escobar was nobody could get him out. Yeah, and, and uh, the, the you know his especially his, on the first pitch. The first pitch of the, <laughs> of the game. Uh, yeah, you so know, this is uh, sort of a. An off-topic story, but we were over at the media days the other day, and Blair's working on this story about if, how the other teams are emulating. And I was talking to the Diamondbacks manager, Chip Hale, and uh, was asking about the Royals. And he goes, you know, he goes, he's like, you watch them. They got a free-swinging guy hitting first. He goes, maybe, you think, you think, you know, it's a trend. He goes, they got a free swinging guy going first. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Hey, we got a free swinging guy in first. Maybe we can do this. So it gives you hope. So I feel like Alcides Escobar, if nothing else, he's giving hope to every team in baseball who has oh, a guy with a 280 on base percentage leading off. You know, we'll we'll, we'll talk more about that's this. Great. I love that. Yeah. We'll we'll talk more about this as the season approaches. But uh, still, the the. Uh, Right field and second base would be the positions of concern, right? If not, yeah. not concern, but unknown, I yeah. guess. Uh, how, how would you? How would we describe the, the, the that? only positions of intrigue? I mean, I, I yeah. think we know that the seven position players, and, and basically, aside from about two relievers or two or three relievers, we we know that. So I feel like we almost know twenty-two or twenty-three guys that are going to be on the mm-hmm. roster on opening day, but we don't know who's going to start at second base, and we don't necessarily know who's going to play right field. I mean, we, we sort of know. You know, Ned Yost, in my talks with him so far at spring training, has been very, I mean, he's going to say this, he's been very open about outfield, about seeing Brett Eibner or Jose Martinez or Raymond Fuentes, giving all those guys looks. I, I do think it's going to be Dyson and Orlando sort of in a platoon role to start with. But I, I do think those other guys are going to get looks, especially somebody like a Brett Eibner. I mean, he might be headed for for Omaha to get more at-bats, but I think he's a guy with a, a tool set that could potentially help the Royals if there's an injury or, or something like that. And then at second base, um, I just think it's going to be difficult for them not to start Infante at the beginning of the year, I think. But it'll be interesting to see how long they go with that or if, if Cologne can do something during spring training where it almost forces their hand. Yeah, I kind of feel like um, the way you put that, I like it. Uh, It'll be difficult for the Royals to not start Infante, and then there's I think a, there's an endorsement. It'll be difficult for Infante to keep starting <laughs> as, as the season goes. Um, and the the Eibner and and um, you know all those other guys, Fuentes, you mentioned that, that they're trying to get a look at. Um, do, do you get the feeling at all like I, he means it? But I, I get the feeling that that's more for. We need to call up somebody in no. May or June, July, you know, yeah. who's going to be first in line. I, I think, yeah, I think there's little chance that, that Dyson and Orlando are on the team to start the year. But I do, you know, they kept five outfielders, if I'm not mistaken, to begin the year last year. Mm-hmm. 
And, yeah. You know, and I, I feel like they could be in position to do that again. I mean, I, I, I'm, if you're looking for one question that's kind of hard to answer right now, it's who their last bench player is. Yeah. Um, because they've, they don't really have a guy that's, you know, they don't have a veteran guy that seems like an obvious answer. They're, you're going to have Cologne potentially as the backup infielder and Orlando as the first backup outfielder, and then you'll have Drew Batera. But do they keep an extra pitcher or do they, you know, you don't really Snyder. know. Yeah. Snyder might get in that mix. You don't know who that last, I, I, yeah, you, I didn't even mention Travis Snyder, but you don't know necessarily who maybe that 25th guy is. That's, that's the beauty of Cologne, though, too. I mean, yeah. The fact that he can back up three positions, um, that's that's a you know that's that's unusual to me. I mean, it's because if you can back up shortstop plus second and third, that's mm-hmm. you know you've got a pretty viable guy there. He was um, he, he's, he was the popular guy in the clubhouse today. They everybody gravitated toward Christian Cologne. He's always a good story in in the uh, in the preseason. He's always a good story because he's coming off a postseason in which he was a hero. He was Dane Ord <laughs> in right. 2015, and he was of course he was the wild card hero in 2014. Yeah, so. Um, uh, positions of intrigue. I like that. So backup catcher is not. Um, do we think it's going to be Butera and not Cruz? I think so, just because Cruz has options, and they. I think they can send him to Omaha, um, kind of stash him there, and go from there. It'd be odd if they if they ditch Drew Butera. I think they. The way Bob Dutton always put it was inventory. Mm-hmm. You got to keep inventory. So mm-hmm. I, I think Cruz is is probably slated for Omaha. How about the bullpen? Uh, what what are the what are the uh, positions there? Who, who are the people that we're, we're looking yeah. at for a couple of slots? It fills up really quickly because if you look at it, like you basically have five starting pitchers, obviously, and then you, you've got Young, Medlin, and Duffy battling for the final two spots, and whoever doesn't is headed for the bullpen. So that's one. And then you've got four locks in uh, Wade Davis, Luke Hochaver, Joaquin Soria, and Kelvin Herrera. So there's five relievers right there. Then you've got basically two more spots, um, and I, I think it'll be interesting. But I, I think Dylan G has an inside track to making the team out of out of spring training, unless he just does something during the spring to look look awful. Um, I think he's another one of those swing guys that they want to keep um, for rotational depth and inventory. Yeah, inventory. <laughs> so I, I think he's got an inside track to make the team. And then you're looking at so then you're looking about seven or eight guys. For that last spot and it, the reason it's a little bit interesting is that they've got so many guys you you know sort of you know these are they're not a lot of, they've got a lot of veterans in camp um the brian dunsings and the ross ollendorfs and flynn's another one brian flynn i didn't even mention yeah. brian flynn i yeah. think he is in a good spot he's intriguing to, to make me. the team as a left-hander so came over um, the aaron crow trade right? yeah wasn't he and aaron crow yeah. <clears throat> and he yeah he in and, and ned yo said earlier this week that it you know it almost pained him to to not let him make the team last year, but they had to keep Ryan Madsen. That was the Madsen, yeah. Decision. And so they sent Flynn down, and then about three days later in his first appearance at Omaha, he strained his lat muscle, and it ended up getting torn and missed the entire year. So yeah, weird, too. Like, that, that was a close, assuming that really was, like, such a close call between Flynn and Madsen. Uh, that decision cost Flynn, like, Six hundred grand or something, right? Because he yeah. would have been on the big league DL the whole year and accruing service time, and that would have been a, a huge thing. I mean, yeah, that's he that said earlier this week. Yeah, thing, but. he said earlier this week that I don't I don't remember this because I wasn't covering the team. But I guess Greg Holland was he hurt the first week of the season? Did that happen? Anyway, I, I assume that Flynn remembers it correctly. But he said yeah. a guy got hurt 
about four days or three days after the beginning of the season, and they needed a pitcher, and it would have been him, and he had just strained his lat muscle, yeah. and so he didn't give – he has been in the big leagues with the, the Marlins, but, but right. still, I mean, it was I think it was a tough situation for him. And he's a Wichita State guy. I'd kind of forgotten that. That's right. No, that's right. That was the when, when he came over – I remember when he came over last year, it was kind of media gravitated uh, toward him because of his shocker background. So so it's a, it's a camp without – a lot of questions, and that's. We had a discussion today with one of our photographers who who was asking about <clears throat> who hadn't been to a training camp before. <clears throat> excuse me, was asking about um, you know this competition for positions, and I just told her, nope, not not this year. Yeah. Not, good teams don't have competition yeah. for positions. You know the bad teams are all, they're all battling it out, and and uh, but the good ones. Uh, I, I, I remember that was a big point last year that, that Ned Yost made, that they came into camp in, in 2015 without, really without competition, and even less so this year, don't you yeah. think? Just yeah, totally do. less so. You know, I kind of like, I just realized this as we're talking, like this is my, my 10th spring training here, and like I remember, um, so 07 was the first one, and they're coming off of 310 losses in three years, and then like, I can't remember exactly which year, maybe it was, 08, 09, so there, there was a year where there wasn't much competition. They're like, this is a sign, you know, that we're heading in the right direction. And, and it, it was kind of, but it was like there wasn't any competition because they had a bunch of like, eh, <laughs> mediocre players, you know what I mean? And like, this is that next step, right, where it's like there's no competition because they have good players right. at all these positions. You know, like, it's just the, the next, you know, you go from, you know, um, in spring training, if any of us were here uh, in 07 through 10, right? Like, you spend so much more time on those backfields where the minor leaguers are, <laughs> knowing everything about, like, you know, Eric Hosmer's swing and all this stuff, and not really caring about Mark Gredzelonic on the, the George Brett field or whatever. But it's just, you know, there's a lot of ways you can look at it um, of, of all the progress they've made. But you wouldn't know it by the signage. No, no, no. No, no uh, championship <laughs> signage. Uh, but, you know, we realize we're looking at a team when we're out there um, watching these guys in practice. Um, that uh, were leaders at their position in the <clears throat> in the All Star voting, at least eight of them, you know, eight or nine of them at some point. Led their, you know, it's an, it's amazing the talent in this, in this organization. Yeah, and you, you, yeah, and you would <laughs> think that, yeah, too. you would think that with with winning the World Series, that's only going to go up. So <laughs> I think that I'm predicting eleven Royal All Stars this year. Ned Yost maybe selecting five of them, maybe six get in with the voting. I, I think you could see you could see a lot of different scenarios. And by the way, like that that Ned like picking the All Stars last year, like I'll just never forget. Uh, I forgot who the other guy was. It was like the last reliever spot was between Kelvin Herrera and somebody who had like his numbers were a little bit better than Herrera. They're comparable, but his the other guy's numbers were a little bit better. And he said something like, "Well, when it came down to it, I just looked at." One of these guys pitched in Game Seven of the World Series last year, and the other one didn't. <laughs> Slam dunk, oh, Ned. <clears throat> well, he'll have he'll have you know that what? chance again you know, this year. <clears throat> when it came down to it, I just wanted to pick one of my guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it was. Hey, and you thought the All Star voting seemed like a ballot box stuffing last year? Wait till this year. Wait till this year when the average attendance for Royals games thirty eight thousand. Yeah, you know, right, at, uh, right. Through the first few months of the season, uh, that'll be something to behold. So, uh, you're right. You mentioned it earlier. The team got fitted for their uh, those who didn't get fitted for rings at FanFest uh, got sized up today. And uh, guys like Gerard Dyson and 
I think Hosmer had already been fitted, but he posed for the cameras to you know to pretend he was getting fitted <laughs> of course for, for a ring. Um, and uh, but but some of the um, you know, the guys, a lot of the guys who weren't at FanFest were there, and it was and I, I, as I was watching that unfold, I was thinking. Um, the the woman who represents Jostens, her name is Jennifer, really nice lady. I met her last year. I'm thinking, she's got the best job in the world. Oh, yeah. All she does is, <laughs> you know, uh, just, you know, she's got the biggest smile on her face, and everybody who sees her has a big smile on their faces, and um, uh, fitting guys for championship rings. That's, that's a nice, not a bad job. Hey, so, hey, uh, thanks for tuning in to Sports Beat KC, and follow the coverage of the Royals of Spring Training. And, uh, all these outlets, the Kansas City Star, the Kansas